This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 12th, episode 2016. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We're back uh, live today. Sorry about yesterday, and I appreciate all the well wishes. I'm doing fine. Uh, My Lyme disease thing acted up over the weekend, and uh, I couldn't talk straight enough to even do a show yesterday. So thank you to Lisa Wysocki for filling in. And we're back live. Karen is here the second Tuesday of every month for the last 25 years talking about (laughs) endurance. Good morning. Good morning. Well, let's go right to Jennifer with on today's show, and then we'll talk a little bit about how you've been riding every day on top of the 12 feet of snow. So, Jennifer. (laughs) Coming up on today's endurance episode, following a first loop featuring studies show endurance edition, we're going to go straight into the first loop featuring Erin Riley, and she's going to tell us all about the West Region Torrey Creek Pioneer Ride. And then after a quick vet check, Jessica and Jessica are stopping by. That's right. We're going to have stereo Jessicas. And they're (laughs) going to tell us all about the Iron Horse ride. So stay tuned for the ride, folks. Did you notice all the the endurance terms Jennifer's throwing in there now? I love that. that she's an endurance Look rider. Look at her go. Look at her. Yes. <laughs> so, Karen, I saw, what was it, last week or the week before, this big snowstorm or big storm coming across California that drenched uh-huh. the state, which probably put out all the remaining fires. But then I saw <laughs> when it got to the mountains there where you are near Reno, it was turning to a hell of a lot of snow. Did you get a hell of a lot of snow? Lots of snow. Some areas around me, some of the ski resorts south. South of here actually got like 11 feet of snow from one storm. What do you do with and that? What do you do with it? It's probably high enough to reach the bottom of the chairlift. I mean, it's <laughs> yes, it's kind of crazy that, you know, there's pictures of the highway signs that are basically covered up in the snow. So we've had quite a bit of weather and unfortunately starting i think tonight we're gonna get what they call an atmospheric river which is like a pineapple express so it's gonna get warmer and this new storm coming is going to either rain or be heavy snow which can result in a lot of melt melting of the existing snowpack which is probably going to lead to some flooding. So look for us in the news later this week, Glenn. <laughs> Washing downstream. You're going to end up down a river into Vegas from where oh you are. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> well, I'm just impressed that you actually know where I'm at now. Because <laughs> I do. It took like four years. Yeah, <laughs> but we've been doing this show for 25 years now, so now I got it. It takes me a <laughs> you while. You got it. Now you know I'm in Nevada. That's, that's right. 
That's right. But I did, um, it, it is crazy, I mean, to seeing the weather. And you were telling me, and this is something that's been ignored uh, by the press, but all those fires that happened just over the mountains from you in California, a lot of those people are still living in their cars. It's cold. I mean, it's terrible. Exactly. I know. Yeah. yeah, the news drops off and they don't tell, you know, it's taking these people a really long time to rebuild and a lot of people still homeless. They're still trying to place their pets and and it's just um yes it's horrible and i really worry about the storm and how it's going to affect so many of these people that are still in the path i guess wash off is a big problem now right i mean yes run off and right. mudslides and all of that uh-huh right yeah. yeah so hopefully everybody's gonna you know take heed to the warnings and get as prepared as they possibly can uh, they're saying this could be a storm as big or cause as much flooding as we had back in 97, which actually cut off the entire valley where I live in, where we could not, I mean, all the stores ran out of food. The restaurants ran out of food um, because the power was down. You couldn't buy anything, you know, unless it was like a local store that could ring you up. But most of them, once the, they're off, you know, the power, you can't you know, go and pay with your debit card or your credit card unless you've, you know, they just, you're just out of luck. How long so, were you without power? It, it it was a long time. It was at least 10 days. Oh, wow. I, you're going stock up today, right? Do you have kerosene? You can live in your trailer if your roof doesn't collapse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I Yeah, that's the good thing about being an endurance rider. We're tough. We can go, you know, Got turn on my kerosene tanks all and, filled up. Uh, yes, yes. yes. You're and good. we've no, we've got a good stack of firewood and a big wood stove, so we can keep the house heated and and cook on that. And ramen noodles, to. all you need for ten days, you're good. Exactly. Yeah. And if <laughs> we're flooding, that then there's no shortage of water either. Yeah. So. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. No, we'll make we'll make do. It's just I do worry about the people on the other side that were in all the fires. That's yeah. gonna really be a bummer for them. Well, we'll be thinking about all of you. Uh, let's get to the big news that happened since we talked last. We talked about it might happen, and that is the... Uh, I was going to say something that I shouldn't say. That the... the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the breakup, the marital discord between yes, the, the divorce. <laughs> American Endurance Ride Conference and the uh, USEF. So the, right. kind of explain real quick, Reader's Digest version, the AERC was the regulatory body for endurance rides underneath the USEF for FEI endurance rides, Correct. Right. AERC okay. was the national governing body for the sport of endurance in the United States. Underneath the FEI uh, and the USEF. The, yes, yes, U.S. Equestrian Federation. And, um, you know, they had different... <laughs> I, I'm not really sure what... What is it that, know, uh, what is it that uh, when you get a divorce and it's just a generic term? What's the generic term for divorce? None of us have been divorced, so we don't know. Uh, but there's a generic <laughs> term for divorces. Irreconcilable differences. differences. That's it. Yes, yes, that's it. And so they had their differences that they apparently couldn't work out. So AERC voted to, on their board meeting, to disassociate... But they wanted to do it as of the next year's ride season. So it would have, their agreement would have continued through the year. Um, and I think the way you worded it succinctly was that um, 
uh, AERC wanted to quit and USEF came back and said, nope, you're fired. That's right. <laughs> you're out <Yeah>. now. <laughs> yeah. So it that was it. And, and it happened so like the next day. The USEF, the president, exactly. had this on his desk, ready to go. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're all just waiting to see how this is all going to play out. I know that the vet committee is sort of working on getting, making sure we have a viable drug testing program to continue forward. And we've got all these other issues that there's, the board has this tremendous amount of work ahead of them because they're trying to work out with what to do with the safe sport policy and, you know, the drug testing and how are we going to, what are we going to do with all of these already co-sanctioned? Um, well, that was AARC my question. What about FBI the FBI riders? riders? What are they going to do? If they're, uh, I don't know. It's yeah. like my one friend said, it's sort of like they took our tree and cut off one big branch of it. <laughs> 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 now it's leaning. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. Actually, just like that in my front yard where it's split into thirds. And so uh, we basically just sort of uh, annihilated <laughs> the international division of the sport in our country for now until they're able to work out what to do and how, how to the, handle it. How do the FAI riders feel about it? Um, I'm sure they're feeling like stepchildren yeah, right now yeah. in some way. And they're all here I, in Ocala right now, you know. They're yeah, all yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I I I think as a sport, we should all try to support everybody at all the different levels and at all the different divisions. And um and and I think that we kind of we haven't. And, um, you know, we ought to really try and get uh, maybe Heather Reynolds on next time. She's been pretty good about coming on in controversial times. She she was willing to join us right after the WAG the last time. So uh-huh. maybe next, yeah. after it has a month to settle out, we'll we'll see if we can get one of the FEI writers on and talk about that next month. Um, I think that might be kind of fun. Um, if they're willing, yeah. I know. <laughs> That's why I said I need a brave one. Um, I know. <laughs> you know what? Heather knows we don't bite. So uh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This is what, as soon as I saw all this come down, it just reminded me of, you know, putting in your two-week notice, and then the boss comes back and says, no, clean out your desk right now. And uh-huh. you take all your toys and leave. Because I know. <laughs> I know. It's so, exactly you know, what happened. It's like kids. Uh, it's like children. I know. Who knows? <laughs> You know how this is all going to play out. There's a lot of stuff to consider that I think, you know, the average person that just wants to go and ride an endurance ride really doesn't understand. Um, I know it's even beyond what I understand. You know, we just want to go and ride and have a good time because most of the time we get out there, we're, we're riding our horses, we're having fun and we can just completely forget about politics across the board and everybody gets along. We have fun. And I mean, that's where we want to get back to. Right. <laughs> well, it's so funny because when we started this, we, we probably started together, what, five, six years ago now. And when uh-huh. I started Horse Radio Network with the idea of that we would have shows about everything, I never thought endurance would be the one with the most controversy. I know, the most <laughs> politics that's, that's not what i expected all right let's you, get let's yeah. get let's go on to your endurance tip we've uh last couple of months we didn't get we ran out of time and didn't I even know. get a chance to talk about it so what are we talking about today so this this month i want to talk about endurance riding strategy which is what you want to plan when you go to an endurance ride 
because presumably you've been training and conditioning and getting ready. So you want to have a strategy. And I looked it isn't up, just like right out of bat, like a bat out of hell for a hundred miles. Pretty much not. No. no. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I did find there's some good studies that are being published based on research that's been done at endurance rides in the last two and three years. And I love the the headline or the um, of this. Uh, recent study it says equine endurance race pacing strategy differs between finishers and non-finishers yeah no kidding and i'm thinking <laughs> no kidding really so geez your outcome depends on how you ride yeah it's <laughs> funny how that works concept. funny how that works and so um i kind of i you, you the important key points are that uh, here's one in a, and I bolded the parts that I wanted to um, cover is that across the duration of the races, horses that successfully finished recorded 7% slower average speeds. And of course, what that means is the people that are going faster are getting pulled and they're not finishing. Well, that makes and, sense too. I mean, right. I mean, we could have guessed that. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Duh, yeah. yeah. And horses that failed to finish races completed loop one at a faster speed than horses that finished and subsequently had a greater reduction in speed across the remaining loops. In contrast, horses that finished successfully had a slower loop one speed and completed subsequent loops at a higher percentage of their loop one speed. So kind of translate that. So basically, they're analyzing the the a speed that people are riding each loop and so the ones that start out on the first loop because you know your horse gets race brain tend to have a lower completion rate and so in order to be successful or you know try to improve your odds of being successful most of us want to plan a strategy most failures come in endurance rides because of poor rider choices, which means you're probably riding too fast for your horse's ability and fitness level, or you're just not riding well. Uh, you're selecting the wrong speed for the different um, sections of the course and the terrain or the weather and the footing and that sort of thing. So the goal is you want to pass every vet check, come through the ride in the fastest time that um, works for your horse so that you finish with a horse that's in good shape. So you have to consider all of these things, your horse's fitness, the current health and soundness, um, your fitness and your stamina, um, you know, how you're able to focus and get yourself completely through the ride from beginning to end. Um, you know, your crews, if you're on a ride where you have crew help, um, the weather, the footing, the technicality of the trail. So basically, I'm going to start with, I have like three or four points. The first one is don't plan on riding your horse to a set speed. If you're going to use anything as a guide, use either a heart rate monitor and monitor your horse's heart rate or use a GPS or a phone app that will allow you to monitor your average time to do a mile. And, and I kind of like I've used Strava and Indomondo. Indomondo is kind of fun because it will tell you every mile how long it took you to ride that mile. And so that way you're able to monitor as you go through the course how you're going. And the same with using a heart rate monitor. Um, the research shows that a heart rate in excess of 150 beats per minute on anything but the last loop will dramatically increase your risk of being eliminated 
Uh, and even if you finish, you're probably going to finish much slower than if you had ridden more consistently to begin with. And the item number two, ride your own race. Don't get excited and blow it all in the first loop by riding with faster horses or horses that are used to riding at faster speeds. If you're just, you know, getting into the sport and learning to get more competitive as you go. Um, and this is really true on one day rides, but especially on multi-day rides. I tell people all the time, it, you know, if you want to ride all three, four or five days of a multi-day, be really careful on the first day on the first loop, because if you go too fast, you can blow the entire week, the entire ride just by going too fast on that first loop. So that's really important. And that's what the research is now showing that if you go too fast on loop one, you use up too much mu muscle glycogen and your horse hits a wall and then they can't recover. Okay. So that makes so, sense. Again, makes sense, right? Yes. Yeah. And so it's important if you've done rides to kind of study your times. And I think anyone, especially if you've ridden Tevis, you know, they're really wonderful about providing spreadsheets um, both on their website and to the riders afterwards, they mail them to you and it shows all your end times, arrival times, pulse in times. So you, and you know, the distance between each check. So you can kind of calculate and figure out what your average moving time is. So if you start out on a ride and you're moving at say 10 miles an hour and then for the first loop, and then every loop after that, you're slowing down that means that you probably went too fast on the first loop. And so you need to slow down so that that doesn't happen. Boy, and that's so easy to do too, isn't it, right? Adrenaline's going for everybody. Oh, and, my and then, gosh. And then everybody else is taking off fast, so it's hard to... Exactly. And yeah. you don't realize that, oh, gosh, I've been trotting along here for 15 miles. Yeah, because you're fresh. Your horse is fresh. It's brain. easy to do, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. You get, you know, the adrenaline flowing and the horses are all wired and they're, yeah, they're going and it's tough. So you have to really focus and, and you know, pay attention. Like if you do change your pace, you want to do it gradually you don't want to just suddenly you know take off at a gallop you want to be careful so that you can you know control how much energy your horse is burning and using up with the glycogen stores and stuff so that you can kind of keep it at a level um, amount so that you don't end up getting depleted and you know blow the whole strategy so you also want to keep your heart rate in a certain range which you know, hopefully you've been training so you kind of know where your horse is on their range. Once they start, once a horse's heart rate starts going above, say, 160, they use the glycogen more rapidly. And so that's the limiting factor with endurance horses. Once they deplete that and, you know, run out, it's hard to replenish it just during the vet checks. And so then that's when you end up with a horse that's tired or starts slowing down on each subsequent loop. So you want to, you know, kind of keep, keep that consistency going, a steady effort, you know, um, you, you know, slow down going up the hills, use your horse, to, uh, you know, focus on and learn ahead of time, of course, what your horse's best attributes are. Some horses are better going downhill. Some are better going, 
you know, uphill um, horses are more efficient if they've been conditioned for it to canter versus trotting or even walking. I read some of these studies are showing that the most inefficient gait is a walk. Yet some horses, if they're not, you know, really all the way conditioned, they need to be walking. So you've you've got to know your horse. Yeah, it might and be an inefficient gait, but it's also the gait that's going to get the uh, heart rate down. So exactly. Right, yeah. So you've got to consider the amount of effort and you know riding um, to the effort as opposed to the speed, which can make um, you know a huge. A huge difference, and so we'll we'll post this link to. There's this study that goes into more detail about the horses they studied. It was several hundred horses on 24 different um, FEI races, and to determine the elimination points. And um, you know, there there's a lot we can learn from that. But basically, you want to go into a ride, planning some strategy. You know, knowing. Uh, trying to, you know, learn a little bit about the course, where you can make time, where you can't make time, you know, what's most efficient for your horse. And of course, trying to keep from getting race brain on the first loop. How long, realistically, when you're a new rider and new into the sport, does it take <laughs> you to really get a feel for it? Oh, gosh, you, you know, I think you know I, what I, I'm asking, you know, you get a I know, feel and, a while. and it's hard, because it can vary, you know, it, it's like, I know every time when I started a new horse, people would say, oh, your horse just needs a, you know, half a dozen rides. Well, sometimes they're really, you don't realize that they really weren't that bad <laughs> <laughs> until they do have the half a dozen rides. And then they really start to figure it out. Oh, you know, and then they get race brain. Mm. So it depends a lot on the horse, but ultimately it's the rider with the brain that has to manage both. And, and that's why you've got to focus, pay attention. And that's why modern technology is so helpful with, you know, having heart monitors, GPS, phone apps, whatever, so that it helps us to stay focused and pay attention. And and so I, yeah, there's really no one answer because every horse is going to be different. And I mean, just ask Jennifer about her horse having. Well, race he has brain. race brain from the minute he gets to the to the venue. Um, I know. <laughs> yes, but that's a third red thing. <laughs> and they. They do, they get better. Like my horses, they're really good at the ride starts. It's after they've gone 15 or 20 miles. That's when they really get worked up, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's different at different stages of their career and for different horses, different people, different rides, different conditions. So, you know, that, I mean, to me, that's part of the fun of endurance riding, very good. Well, let's, uh, speaking of, one of the things you have to worry about, too, when your horses get race, uh, race brain is keeping them <laughs> hydrated, right? Exactly. And uh, we're going to have Kristen tell us about some of the ways and some of the products that are available out there to keep our horses hydrated on rides. And, of course, good Kristen morning. is from Distance Depot. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Karen and Glenn. How are you this morning? Good. Cold. Nine degrees. Cold. It's cold here, too. Okay. Well, yeah, we won't mention how warm it is where Glenn is. (laughs) Kristen, use your outdoor voice, too. You're really quiet today. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay, Kristen. Yeah, yeah, we are going to 
talk about this hydration. Yeah, super important. So tell us about some of the products Distance Depot has. Okay. Um, Yeah, we do feel, you know, we, we focus a lot when it's hot on hydration, but we feel like it's equally important to keep your horse hydrated during the cold months, especially, you know, it seems like they're naturally just drink less when it's cold out. So, um, and, you know, we're feeding more hay to keep them warm and they don't have as much access to moist grasses, unless maybe if you live where Glenn does. Um, (laughs) But we have a wide variety of electrolytes um, to keep your horses hydrated, powders, paste, and products like the Redmond Rock. Um, I I know Karen likes the Redmond Rock. Oh, we use it too. Last 10 Uh years, yeah. 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 yeah, and and horses love it, and, and they have so many more. I think they have 60-plus trace minerals, um, whereas the regular salt blocks that people typically feed, those white ones and the red ones, I think they have 6 to 12 mm. trace minerals. So there's a huge difference there. Um, <clears throat> but one great way we found um, to keep your horses hydrated is to teach them to drink more water. Um, that may be sound um, harder than it is, we actually use performing wind water. Our boys like performing wind. It's very palatable. It's a powdered electrolyte, and it's mm-hmm. sweet and tasty. Um, so, you know, we've even had one of our horses, when he had a bellyache, take a drink. Um, so in the winter, well, how we taught this, let's start with that, how we taught that was just to feed the performing wind right out of our hand. They love it. Um, you can put it in their dish or in their feed, Again, I've never had a horse not like performing wind. We just mixed, um, you know, small buckets of water, um, and after a ride, mixed a couple of scoops in, in a small bucket of water and fed it to them. They look forward to it. They see mm-hmm. it at the gate, like, where's our performing wind? It's like a carrot, you know. <laughs> and they'll uh-huh. grab the bucket from the other one and say, it's my turn, it's my turn. But they really do drink it. So it's really nice in the winter, um, I can do a bucket of warm water with a couple scoops of performing wind, and they'll stand there and drink several buckets of water. It's really awesome because mm-hmm. we are after getting that, you know, keeping that, keeping them from colicking with all that hay and um, just, and it warms their core too. So it's pretty, pretty good way to do that. And they look forward to it. <clears throat> Pardon me. We also have um, some uh, mashes, um, warm mashes by Emerald Valley. <clears throat> Pardon me which um, have fiber beet and speedy beet, so they soak um, very quickly with warm water and also help to keep your horses hydrated. So some great things out there that are available. Right. And you had mentioned something I remember about the shipping on some of these items. Yes. um, The bigger bags of um, the speedy beet and fiber beet, quick-soaking beet pulp, they're 44 pounds, so they're pretty costly to ship. But this product is clean, um, unlike the beet pulp that we get here in the U.S. This is imported um, from England. It's very clean. It's quick soaking. Um, and we have a bulk shipping rate. So if you order five bags and, and or ten bags, if you have friends that you can get ordering this stuff, um, it oftentimes will cut the shipping in half. So, um, but okay. I can't say enough of Good. these products. They're really great. You can feed them cold in the summer, warm in the winter. Horses love them. And again, it's just about keeping them hydrated. Great. And we can all order these items from the distancedepot.com. And tell us, what is your phone number? 866-863-2349. Terrific. Well, thank you, Kristen, for joining us. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks, Kristen. Bye-bye. 
All right. So you were talking, uh, speaking of products, you wanted to mention something that a friend of yours is doing, and we love homemade stuff. Oh, yes, we are. I uh, Hopefully by the next episode or the one after that, I will um, have it back. But a friend of mine that's a decade team writer is making jewelry out of hoof clippings. And so I uh, waited. I let my horse's feet grow as much as I could so that I would be able to trim off a you know, a nice amount to send to her to make into some jewelry. And um, I had some of it up on a table and my, I shouldn't say what I will call her, my dumb cattle dog decided to climb up and help herself to some of the clippings. And so I don't know. So now know your jewelry how, has chew marks in it? <laughs> uh, it might. And so I w- I'm excited to see how this comes out. I did get some really good size clippings off of chief Bo had some good clippings but ended up with just a small little Does she portion. bleach him so, to get the smell out first before you yes yeah. i guess they could <laughs> disinfected cleaned uh dehydrated and then i'm assuming polished and varnished and then put into a, a setting of jewelry um she does rings pendants bracelets so i just thought that was something that's going to be really kind of cool. Um, so I'm looking forward to to getting that hopefully in the next uh, you know few weeks back to see how that turns out. It's a great memento to have of a horse. And so it's different and unique. So I just wanted to mention that and we'll um, hopefully be able to show some pictures and, and, uh, you know, give people an idea of something to do that would be a great way to remember a horse or as a gift for somebody. Although it might be a little difficult to sneak in and get a hoof clipping off of somebody's horse without them knowing. Actually, I'm looking at uh, the pictures of it and I didn't know what this was going to look like. Um, (laughs) I'm looking at the pictures and it looks like polished stone when she's done. Yeah, it's kind of neat, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that actually it looks this good, to be honest. I wasn't, yeah. I didn't know what to expect, but right. some of it looks like polished stone or even w- polished wood. Uh-huh. She must put some kind of lacquer or something on them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's got to be something to preserve it. And then so. she puts them in a setting so that, you know, it looks like uh-huh. a stone. Uh, I didn't know what to expect right. when I was looking at like it. Like actual real jewelry. Yeah. Like so, actual yeah, real jewelry. It'll, it'll right. be, be Do you know price neat. points on these? Or what um, I know the ring, uh, like with a double um, stone or, you know, hoof. For, for two horses, uh, $60. Well, that's not bad for a whole oh. custom, you know, not, right. a, not bad at all. No. Huh, that's interesting. That is a great idea, especially for a keepsake on a horse that uh, you have yes. no longer, you know, it would be a good idea to do. Because everybody okay. thinks about the hair, you know, for, for uh-huh. that kind of memory, yes. you know, um, exactly. getting that turned into jewelry. But this is a good idea, too. And you get it neat. back, it's stink-free. So you're, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> All right, good. And where can people find it? It's called Equigems. It's Equi- yes, on uh, on Facebook. So it's Equi-Gems, G-E-M-S. Yes. All right, very good. Cool. That's really neat. I love, I love the homemade stuff. We have uh, an auditor that does really cool cartoon drawings of your horse. Now she's booked out. Thanks to the auditors. I just talked to her till about May. Um, 
with with all the drawings she does, but she does some oh, great. It, they're very fun. Neat. So, yeah, they're very Neat. fun. All right, cool. Well, uh, your theme for this particular episode was highlighting some new rides that are new coming up. And I'm excited to see that there's new anything coming up in the horse world. So <laughs> this is really cool. Exactly. Our My first guest is Erin Riley. She is going to be managing a brand new Pioneer ride in Eureka, Nevada, which is in the West region. And a Pioneer ride means that uh, it's a minimum of at least three days and 155 miles in length. And this is in kind of central, eastern, northern Nevada, but it's in beautiful country. So we're all excited to have a new ride and I'm looking forward um, to talking to Erin. Is she here right now? Yes, yep. Okay, welcome, Erin. Good morning. Good morning joining us. So tell us a little bit about this ride. Well, we're excited to put it on. It's going to be, like you said, in Eureka, Nevada, and that time of year tends to be quite beautiful out there. Um, It provides a lot of grass on the trail for the horses and good scenery, um, hopefully good weather, all of that. It's a little bit more... um, mild than what the Fort Shelbourne ride, the Fort Shelbourne rides a couple uh-huh. hours further east. So, mm-hmm. but similar kind of scenery, Nevada. So and, um, mild, the, you, you mean not quite as much climbing? On no, the um, yeah, there's not quite or? as much climbing, but there's also going to be, I mean, there will be some good climbs out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Ride camp is at 6,500 foot elevation. Okay, so, I mean, I can send everybody up. Yeah, I can send everybody up to 10,000 feet, but I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> so, we're going to go just short of that. How many do you want okay. back is the question. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, rescues it's, are it's expensive this time of year. <laughs> What was that? Uh, rescues are expensive this time of year, so there's yes. that. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> We've got the town involved, and so we're hopefully going to have the local 4-H kids coming um, to do cleanup at camp for donations, and they're excited about that. But it's it's nice because the town is on board as well. Good. So. Yes, it's Eureka's a neat little town. It is. It is. And there's a nice grocery store there. So just down the street from where we're staying um, at the fairgrounds and the fairgrounds have nice amenities. Right. So tell, so tell us about the camp. What? Uh, ride camp will be at, um, at the fairgrounds there and we can ride directly out. And um, there is a pavilion, a nice arena Um, there's actually even corrals. I believe those are available for, you know, it's just standard fairground corrals, but there's quite a few of them Mm -hmm. in case somebody didn't have panels or a high tie or anything like that. And it's, um, a lot of room so people can kind of spread out and, uh, water there's bathrooms. I don't believe there are showers, but other than that, it has everything. Oh, good, good. Yes, I've stayed there overnight many, many times traveling across. And uh, and it's nice. I know I always had good cell service there. Yes. And yeah, right they, there at camp there is. There's 
pockets where there's not, but. Right, right. Well, it is Nevada. <laughs> so It is, yes. <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit about what the trail is like. Um, well, it's going to be mostly, um, I rode my mare there last year when we were out gathering cows and, or one of my mares and she was barefoot. I rode her 25 miles barefoot. And so for Nevada, it actually has, I think, good footing. I still would recommend hoof protection, of course, Mm -hmm. um, because there's areas where it's a little more rocky, but, um, it's, uh, pinion pines and, uh, juniper and aspens. There's a gorgeous grove of aspens. I'm going to send everybody through that. Mm-hmm. The Peruvian sheep farmers have actually been um, making pictures in the trees for years. So I hope people take some time and ride slowly through there and enjoy that. Right. Yes, know. I saw some of the carvings on the trees on the photos you sent. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot more of them out there, and it's just kind of neat. It's part of the history of the ranch. Now, are there sheep out there? Some horses are going to want to know there, that. <laughs> yes, no, there will not be. I don't believe there will be sheep. Um, the permit for it's, um, so my boyfriend runs a cattle ranch, and he's actually our assistant ride manager. Okay. And okay. Um, that is the majority of what we will be using, and it's 375,000 acres. Oh my gosh! Wow. That's a little farm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so there will be cows. Yeah. yeah you have to. Cow. You have to bring the cows back in. That's part of the deal. They're getting free help. <laughs> <laughs> well, possibly on Monday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, we're actually going to. Um, we're the permit runs the cows up further north this year, so um, all the way at the north end of the ranch. So I think the cows. We have the bulls there right now, but I don't know if the cows will be there that time of year. So okay. I don't, I think the sheep are also going up there as well. So hopefully nobody will be riding through sheep because I know horses have a tendency to not love them. <laughs> or they just go wide around <laughs> if yes, they can. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, there's uh, tons of room. Yeah, there's plenty of room to go wide around. Oh, good. Most good. of the trail is pretty forgiving. Um, that's I think I wrote something about that, that I don't know if I would necessarily bring an unfit horse, but if you, even if you have like a greener horse, it's, the trails are pretty wide open, a lot mm-hmm. of room for error and there's very few technical sections, but oh, good. it's going to be a good push to get your horse. I thought ideally for Tevis, if you're trying to go to a hundred, it's planned out perfectly. Good. Time-wise. Good. Uh, well, it's just gorgeous country. I I love. I've always loved riding in Nevada, and people do, don't realize how beautiful it is with all of the mountain ranges and what the terrain is like. Once you start getting up at those elevations, it's it's really gorgeous. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I was blown away the first time I did a Nevada ride that it tucked in to the mountains and just gorgeous scenery and wildflowers and trees and a lot of unexpected. Yes. Well, we're so excited that you're doing this. It's, um, you know, we've lost most of the multi-days in, in this region. Well, especially in Nevada, we don't have any right Right. now. So, so this is Mm -hmm. really cool. So thank you for doing this and telling us about it. And is there, um, let's see, you have a Facebook page. Yes. 
And we're putting together, uh, correct. We're putting together um, a website. It's just still in the works and ride entries will be available on there. But I'm also going to take um, some over to convention. I'll have more stuff. Hopefully everything will be up and running by convention. Okay. Terrific. Good. Yeah. And I'll have some brochures. Okay. And I shared the photos on my Facebook wall and I know everybody's going, oh man, I want to go do that ride. So I hope you get a really good turnout. It's um, very promising and um, beautiful country to have it in. And I know the ride camp is going to be nice because I've stayed there. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) plenty of room and and with the horse, um, you know, the pens and the arenas and and having water and then the restaurant right there in town and other supplies right. and, and stuff is great. Right. And we are providing lunch just like some of the oh, other okay. multi-day rides. I'm okay. trying to run was, it that way. Very oh, similar. Um, so yes, that will be provided with ride entries. And then we're also going to have um, a raffle for um, panels. My boyfriend makes um the panels, the corrals to keep the horses in. So oh, he's nice. going to make up a set of panels and we're going to raffle those off and um, hopefully have some beef available as well. Oh, good. <laughs> so it is a cattle ranch and it does yeah. run. Okay. Wow. This is great. Great. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us, Erin. And uh, best wishes to you you. for a successful ride. And um, I'll keep sharing it so that people can learn about it. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, get on the show and get to speak about it a little bit. Thanks, Erin. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And so when did uh, we say this was starting again? Um, It's in May. Okay. And they can find out about it uh, at aerc.org. And Eureka and was up near you, northern. It's Nevada? off of. It's right on Highway 50. I know it's east of Austin and west of Ely. Northern Nevada. So, because uh-huh. none of that means anything to the East Coasters. Okay. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Nevada is basically mountain range after mountain range after mountain range. Right. <laughs> so for those that don't know. Yeah, no, uh, no. most people think about Las Vegas, but it's Nevada. They you do. Know, they just think desert. it's a desert. Yeah. They yeah. just think it's a desert. But we actually have quite a few. Like she mentioned, she could send us up to 10,000 feet if she wanted. Um, but but uh, yeah, it's. It's beautiful country. It, it really is. There's there are herds of wild horses out there. I know I've encountered them, you know, on some of the rides I've done. And obviously, there's going to be some cattle. Gosh, a three hundred seventy-five thousand acre cattle ranch. I can't even imagine that. I mean, I, I have no. <laughs> that's I have no concept of. I know, right? And um, yeah, the sheep sheep can really scare horses sometimes. I've been on a few rides where we've encountered sheep and um, you just don't know. Some horses handle it really well and others are like, oh, my God, it's an, you know, alien invasion (laughs) that they have to get away from. (laughs) So So, do do mountain goats bother them? Because I know you've run into those. Yes, we've seen those. You know, not really. You know, most horses, once they're actually in the the endurance ride, they they get focused on the competition and going down the trail. So 
a lot of them really aren't bothered by anything. They mm-hmm. just want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then others, you just, you know, it's the silly things. You know, if my horse is going to spook, it's going to be at something really stupid like a rock or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, nothing. by the way, I just looked, <clears throat> 370,000 acres is 578 square miles. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. <laughs> yes. Yes. 578 square miles. I know. That's, That's crazy. That's the neat part about Nevada. You get out there and you can just, man, it's it's unbelievable. It's breathtaking and it's beautiful and rugged and and we didn't really get to cover any of the history, but obviously the original Pony Express went through here, through that part of the state along Highway 50 there. Um, the state there were stagecoach um, routes through there. Mark Twain traveled through. So there's a there is a lot of history. Uh, there were a lot of Indians inhabiting the area um so it's it's i always think of nevada as being some of the most um you know the most rugged and the fun part is that you can ride all day and not see housing developments and cities and pavement and you know that sort of thing so you're very it's kind of remote and secluded and it's it's kind of neat because you can get in your own little world and just ride have a great time all right well let's i i was thinking about a song that we could play today that goes along with all that and there's one called you inspire me which i thought would be perfect (laughs) so we're going to talk about another ride coming up and this is in a different state, not Nevada, but also a beautiful state of Idaho, which yes. uh, which is not a state we talk about a whole lot on this show. So, And I know we have some listeners there. We'll hear about that in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Confident smile in the light in your eyes Inspired me to You took one step forward And you knew the rest was up to you
Well, we're back here on Horses in the Morning. It's Endurance Day. Thank you for joining us. Karen Chatton is here, and we never mentioned that this early, but Karen, what is your blog where people can find all kinds of good articles? It's my name, KarenChatton.com. Very good. And also, you could not do these endurance rides in whatever weather, ice, sleet, snow, (laughs) flooding, warm heat, swamps, whatever, you couldn't do them without your boots. That's right. My horses use Renegade Hoof Boots, which are made in Arizona in the United States. They are available, and I believe it's like eight different colors. There's two different models. There's the uh, classical Renegade Hoof Boot and the Viper Hoof Boot. Uh, They also do make glue-ons for those that want to glue-on for special events or occasions or trips. Um, I mainly do prefer to use the strap-ons because it's just so much easier to just throw the boots on, do your ride, take the boots off, and you're done. It's really great and the horses do really well in them and uh so go to renegadehoofboots.com to learn more and you can also order or contact the company if you need help with getting sizing and fitting and of course um you can easily match your tack colors if you'd like there you go. Renegadehoofboots.com. <laughs> the important stuff. Important stuff. That's right. Especially for endurance riders. Um, you and uh, uh, Venters have that in common. For sure. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, t- let's take a look at another ride. And we have uh, Jessica Huber with us right now. Okay. We just got one of the Jessicas. Yes, one of the Jessicas. Okay. Okay. Well, good morning, Jessica. Good morning. And we're actually, we have a series of rides that we're going to talk about that are all in Idaho and that are all pioneer rides, right? Correct. Okay. um, Go ahead. Sorry. We have the Idaho Iron Horse this year. Uh, We decided to take three pioneer rides across Southern Idaho and put them together in a series to encourage people to get out and ride. Karen, before you get started, is Idaho known for having a lot of horses? Is there a huge horse community in Idaho? We haven't talked about Idaho a lot, which is why I'm asking. We haven't. I know mostly I just have known of Steph, Te- Steph Teeter's rides. That no, are, I, I'm, I'm asking and, Jessica. Is, is, uh, oh. um, is, is Idaho um, big horse you know, country? Up here in Idaho, we, we're usually... Con- uh, considered quarter horse country, not a whole lot of endurance riders. Um, there is a small dedicated contingent of riders up here. And like Karen mentioned, we've been led for years by Steph Teeter. She's put on numerous rides over the last, oh gosh, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And the first ride in our series is the City of Rocks Pioneer put on by her and Regina. And it's um, located near Alamo, Idaho. You ride on Old Oregon Trail locations, um, a lot of history there. And it's, it's just a fantastic ride. Um, yeah, the rock, yeah, the rock formations are really cool. I've done, that's the one of They're these three amazing. rides that I have done. Yes. And there's, um, a wonderful pizza place and hot springs located <laughs> like a mile from ride camp, which is always nice at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Okay, so which one of these rides is the one that you're the manager of? I actually manage the Autumn Sun Pioneer. It is the third in the three rides in the series. Um, it's October 11th through the 13th, and it's located just north of Gooding, Idaho. 
Um, good luck finding that one on the map. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's the nearest big city to to Gooding? Uh, the nearest, oh gosh, the nearest big city would be Boise, but Twin Falls is about an hour away from Ride Camp. Okay. Um, Gooding is about 20 minutes from Ride Camp, and you know there's some nice grocery stores, gas stations, things like that there. Um, and then we just head straight north up into the high desert from town and you can ride for miles and not see anything but sagebrush and antelope and the desert. It's pretty peaceful out there. It's one of the reasons I love it. Right. And so all three of these rides are in southern Idaho? Yes, they're spread out about 200, 250 miles. Uh, City of Rocks is near Almo. And the second ride, the middle ride in the series, Top of the World Pioneer, is located um, up in the Targhee National Forest near Spencer, Idaho. It's over more towards the Wyoming border. Okay. And so one of the features that I noticed, most specifically because I sponsor juniors a lot, is that you offer free ride entries to juniors. We do. The Idaho endurance community is pretty awesome when it comes to juniors. Almost all of the rides in Idaho either offer discounted rates or allow juniors to ride free. And all three of the rides in the Idaho Iron Horse do offer free entries for the juniors. Okay, so this is like, since it's a series of three different rides, um, they're each three days. So that's nine days of riding. So what happens if somebody comes and rides all nine days? So we actually have five different divisions in the Idaho Iron Horse that someone could qualify and win some awards in. Um, the, I guess the pinnacle of them is the true Idaho Iron Horse. It's the endurance distance all nine days with one horse, one rider. Mm -hmm. And um, we will have awards for all of the divisions, but that division in particular, if a horse and rider team can complete all nine days of those three pioneer rides on top of the awards and the accolades, they will win a free ride entry to each of the pioneers the following year. Wow. So I thought that was pretty generous of our ride managers. That's cool. Uh -huh. uh, we also have divisions for people that ride um, the LD distances, for people that ride a mix of the distances. Uh, we have an Idaho Iron Butt Award that will go to any rider <laughs> who rides all nine days um, on multiple horses. Oh, good. So you don't have to have just one horse. Um, we also have an award for the horse that may complete nine days, maybe with different riders. So we just want to acknowledge all of the really tough horses and riders that are out there riding. That's great. So tell us, let's start with your ride, Autumn Sun Pioneer. What is like the footing and the terrain and the camp like? Just give us an overview. Um, I have the pleasure of holding a ride on top of a lava flow in southern Idaho. <laughs> so I strongly <laughs> recommend hoof protection. The ride is not a rocky ride, but there are sections of rock out there. Um, so on all three of the rides, I would definitely recommend hoof protection okay. just because we do have rock here, but it's not terrible. There's some amazing trails um, on all three. My ride is, um, like I said, it's up in the high desert. Um, that time of year, there's a lot of 
antelope, deer, elk moving through. We get to camp on private land that is surrounded by uh, BLM managed land. There's a wonderful couple locally that allows us to use their land next to a private reservoir for our right camp. Great. So what's the camp like? Um, camp is, it's fairly basic because we are rather remote. Um, we will have porta potties there, no showers, unfortunately. Dinner is sponsored by the ride management at my ride. We provide the main course and beverages, and then the riders can bring side dishes, desserts, and we like to get together. It's very, very relaxed. Have a potluck visit, do ride awards, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is our second year having the Autumn Sun Pioneers, so it is still a fairly new ride. There's a lot of trails out there that I'm still putting together, still discovering. Um, I like to take people new places each time, so um, I try not to have duplicate loops. Uh, show them all the different things oh, good. that's out there. Good. Well, these sound like a lot of fun. Where can where can you find information? We, Just go to love it up here. Go to Iridian Horse on Facebook. Would that be the best place? Um, yeah, it's I ID for Idaho and then Iron Horse. Oh, ID, it looks like Iridian Iron Horse. Horse. <laughs> <laughs> it does, uh, but yes. I know it does. <laughs> so you can find that on Facebook. Check it out. You'll find all three rides: the City of Rocks Pioneer, the Top of the World Pioneer, and Autumn Sun Pioneer. Yes. All right. Thank you very much, Jessica. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jessica. Have a good day. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the time. Speaking of new rides, you want to go over some of the others before we wrap up the show? We do have a few more new rides, and I think that's great, you know, because, I mean, every so often we lose a ride or a ride manager retires or whatever. So it's nice to see some new rides taking place. And let's start with one that's near you guys, Glenn and Jennifer, uh, Southeast Region, April 12th and 13th, Run Forest Run (laughs) is the name of the ride. Yeah, that is a forest. The Ocala National Forest is big. Okay. And it's, yes, it's outside of Ocala and it's a 25 and a 50 for two days. And so that's something kind of fun. It's going to be close to you guys. Uh, Another new ride for my region, the West region uh, in Northern California is called Sutter Buttes. And it's a 25, a 50 and a 10 mile fun ride. And it is known as being held on the, according to the ride manager, Haley, the smallest mountain range in the world that was formed of 1.5 million years ago by volcanic activity, which I think is going to make it kind of a, a kind of cool scenery to get to ride in. So that's going to be a fun one that's um, uh, coming up in on May 11th. And then Northwest region, we have another ride that is now sanctioned. They, I guess they've done this before as a 25 and this year they're doing it as a 25 and a 50 and it is called the Midnight Rider. And it is in Chahalas, Washington, the 50 starts at 2 p.m. So many of the riders will be coming in and finishing around midnight. And so this year they're offering a night riding clinic, an intro ride, a 25, a 50. And it's perfect if 
for those that want to train and prepare for doing a hundred or get ready for Tevis or whatever. So that's kind of a unique, fun thing. In the Northeast region, there's a new ride. they timed it to the full moon? You know, I should check that out. I'll ask my husband. I'm sure they thought about it, actually. Yeah. They probably did. They probably, you know, and I've been, there was one ride I went to in the Northwest region and they're like, oh, it's going to be a full moon. They failed to mention the hundred foot pine forest. (laughs) (laughs) That no light gets through even in the daytime. No light got through. (laughs) It was pitch black dark. It was a 75 I did. And I was like, full moon. (laughs) There's no full moon. (laughs) Not down here, not on the ground. (laughs) So, so, um, yeah, just because there's a full moon doesn't mean you're going to get to see any light from it. Because <laughs> there could be trees, there could be clouds, so much can happen. So, you know, we're endurance riders, we just deal with it. So, um, yeah. Uh, Northeast region, this one isn't on the calendar yet. I don't believe it might be, but I'm not sure. But it's new. It's called Horses Across Maine. And it is in Maine, July 6th in Waterford, Maine. It's a 30 and a 50. And then it's the, the one day that it's summer there. Is it? Yeah, is July 6th. They get one day of summer. That's it. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty far. The snow has warm. melted from the spring and is about to start in the fall. Uh-huh. So you're, you're good that day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see, Midwest region, there's a new one called Northern Lights Run. Northwestern Minnesota, I'm assuming that's what what that MN means, Minnesota. Camp, is it a private campground? And Twin, yeah, Twin Valley, Minnesota. And it's on a repurposed railroad line. Oh, cool. Which are which are kind of a cool thing. And it's got a recreational trail and they've already got all the trails in and stuff like that. So, uh, so that's another new one, Northern Lights Run. So they give um, you little yeah, beepers to let you know when the train's coming. So you get off oh, the train. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. You want to get off the truck <laughs> for the train. It's, uh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, in the Midwest, there's train. You don't realize how many trains there are w- when you live in the West, or I'm assuming some other regions of the country, because you just don't usually have rides where there's trains. But when we went and rode in certain sections of the Midwest, there are trains like all night long, constantly. So the horses get used to them pretty quickly. It's always fun. But yeah, so we got several new rides, and I apologize if I missed anybody. Where can people um, but, find them? Where do they go? Um, the AERC.org website, and you can go and look up the ride calendar and pull it down. You, you can search by region or, you know, for whatever region of the country you're in, or just search all of the calendar if you'd like. And, you know, the fun thing with some of these rides is you can make a vacation out of it, take your whole family, go on a trip, go, you know, explore Idaho, come explore Nevada, you know, heck, go to Maine, go to Florida, (laughs) you know, have a great time, take a, you know, take a nice trip and, and do some endurance rides along the way and check out some new country. It's, it's all, you know, a lot of fun. Very good. Well, before we wrap the show here today, I wanted to let everybody know that tomorrow uh, we'll be back. Uh, Jamie and I will be here tomorrow, as usual. And I also wanted to ask you something about something I've been meaning to ask you a long time. Uh, what is all the pictures of the sky? Are you guys, like, why, why are we so into astronomy? 
sky. Well, it's not really the sky. It is um, my husband is an amateur um, astronomer, and we actually have an observatory with the roof that slides off. Really? At your house? And yes. I did not know that. Yes. He's got quite, quite, he's got quite the equipment. Wow. <laughs> That's very cool. And uh, it, it's what's really cool is the way he takes the photos. It takes several hours to get one photo and they are stacked. So uh, the really long exposures takes hours. I cannot turn any lights on in the barn outside, whatever, while he's doing his photos when the skies are dark. And it can take sometimes months to even get one photo because if there's clouds or whatever, it totally disrupts the whole process. And he knows and what all of those uh, constellations are and all of oh, Oh, yes. Yeah. It's the technology is just amazing and the software. And Does it, he sell his photos? It's really cool. No, but he could because some of his photographs are just amazing. They are amazing. You post and some of them and it's, it's incredible. Galaxies and things. And, you know, if you really want to, you know, kind of comprehend how minuscule we are in the scheme of things, when you look at how many hundreds of thousands of stars and uh, you know other things that are out there in the universe we're just this little teeny i mean we're like a fly spot okay so describe his big ass <laughs> telescope because i'm assuming it's a big ass telescope it is big it's <laughs> um yes it's uh it, it's set he's the base of it is in concrete you know, because you cannot have any movement or sway or anything like that. So the base is set, you know, down into concrete and... I'm picturing um, like 10 feet long and, and, a, and two feet wide. Yeah, something like that. Wow. Yes, yes. That's a hobby. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I just always figured he just wanted to keep up with his wife who was spending all the money on horses. He wanted to <laughs> find his way, you know, to... Yeah, um, I imagine there's a lot me. of money to be spent there with the kind of uh, professional equipment he's buying. I know. I know. And it is really kind of cool. Um, you know, he's such... You know what the best part is, though? He's available to crew on hundreds because he can't take photos when there's a full moon because there's too much light. Ah. He needs he needs dark skies. Astronomers ah. need dark skies. So he, I, it's like, um, yeah, what are you doing on the Tevis weekend, dear? <laughs> well, I know he's not taking photos because there's a full moon. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, it works for both of us. <laughs> you have to be kind of a quiet, patient guy. I think I would be bored in about four seconds. I know, you know, and, and people are always asking him, well, do you take pictures of the moon? Well, no, he doesn't take pictures of anything in our universe, in our solar system. Oh, he's, he's further that. out <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, he's beyond that. He's out in different galaxies. That's boring. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, especially when you see the the detail in the photos if you could really you know zoom in because just even looking at the ones because i resize them when i post them on facebook because they don't need to be that big but you know you lose a lot of that the definition and the detail i assume and he has a, some of them printed out extra large in the house yes, yes we have some that are printed on metal and stuff like that that are really kind of cool and and actually for christmas i ordered him a set of four 
pillows for the living room with his photos, images on him. If you get a chance today, I think you can post on the Horses in the Morning page, right? I think you're a... You're a uh-huh. Ho- yeah. Post some pictures uh-huh. on there. Well, uh, so everybody head over to the okay. Horses in the Morning Facebook page and take, you know, three or four of your best, you know, the, your, okay. the ones you like the best and post them over there just to show. That's really cool. We need to get him on Horse Husbands. I know. He needs to come on that show. I think he's the one that's been balking well, at that. But. I asked yesterday, I was, working, I was like, okay, I need a tip. Because um, Glenn says they've already talked about cold weather stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so I need a tip. And he says, he says, don't piss off your crew. <laughs> <laughs> there, one sentence tip. <laughs> that was his tip. <laughs> we need to get him on the show. We definitely need to get him on a horse husband. I think this would be fascinating, especially my co-host Joseph's a helicopter pilot. You know, so he's into that kind of stuff anyway. Um, I know. Well, that's very cool. We'll have to do that. I, I never talked to anybody whose hobby actually had them having an observatory in the house. So <laughs> <laughs> that's new. All right. Very good. Thank I you. Know, well, let me, it's yeah. just one more thing yeah. I want to mention. March 8th and 9th in Reno, Nevada is the AARC annual convention. Oh, yeah. For okay. those that want to go, there's a lot of educational seminars, all of the awards, the year-end awards, regional and national, but also a lot of education going on there. They're, they have several veterinarians talking about all the recent research on multiple topics. And so check that out again at AERC.org. Is the NATRC there too this time? Yes, I believe again? it is yeah. a dual convention this year again. Okay. Yes. And that's great for you. You can just make a day trip. <laughs> it's like, I know. It's, close for it's you. wonderful. Yeah. It is. All right. Very good. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. Of course, Karen is here the, fir- the second Tuesday of every month. You can find all of the past episodes of The Endurance Show. Just go to horsesinthemorning.com. Scroll down to the middle of the page. You'll see little banners there for our, all our monthly episodes and endurances on there. Click on that, and it'll bring you to all the past episodes. We really have been doing this for six years years probably um uh-huh. so uh, check that we'll have to look back and see when our anniversary is <clears throat> actually i don't even remember it's been so long so you can uh, find it all there and also you can find all of the shows in the horse radio network at horseradionetwork.com we have a brand new one starting officially today um it's called retired racehorse radio and that is jamie my co-host and horses in the morning monday wednesday and friday is going to be co-hosting that with one of our terrific listeners longtime listeners joy joy hills is going to be co-hosting it they're going to be talking all about the adoption care and training of the retired racehorse mostly focusing on thoroughbreds so that's coming out it's going to be a twice a month show and we're very excited about that uh we'll let you know more details as that comes, as as it gets approved and out onto all of your players. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Karen. KarenChatton.com is where you find her. Anything else? Did we miss anything? Thank you. Wear your helmets, everybody. Stay safe. <laughs>